have to say really quickly before we bring our guest on, um, Stacy Harris. Stacy, by the way, if you could identify yourself in the text and just say, or in the chat and just say hi. There's a couple Stacys, so I want to make sure we bring the right one on. Otherwise, we'll bring someone on without a pants on or something. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, the person that we have in the community today to really help us understand where the world of digitization is and where the world of HR technology is just happens to be one. Oh, there we go. There's Stacy. Um, so maybe behind the scenes, um, one of my colleagues can bring her on. Um, Stacy happens to be one of the most amazing humans that I've ever met. So as we're talking about humans and we're talking about support, um, Stacy and I and Jess and a number of others in the community share a really special relationship. Um, every time I see Stacy, it brings a new ray of light to me. Uh, oh, that's hey. right where I'm on cue. I'm like, ooh, that's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm a little low or something here. We're gonna have to like <laughs> here, I'll I'll low, I'll go down. <laughs> but every time every time I see Stacy and spend time with Stacy, I just walk away um A smarter and B more in love with the world that we all live in. So mm. it would be more honored to have Stacy mm. um with us today. And Stacy's been through We've been through some hard times together also, um, but the togetherness is what makes us better in the long run. So Stacey, it's so great to have you part of the community. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. I appreciate it, Jason. And just amazing what you guys are doing here as as the community as a whole. Um, I know, I think I you were one of the first people I reached out to right after sort of the COVID craziness started. Um, and I know you were, you were a real advocate for making sure everyone in the community was sort of have the opportunity to have someone to talk to. So I think you, you know, sort of live the values you talk and this is a real testament to it. I am sorry, I hadn't had a chance to be part of it. I've, you know, starting a new business, I tend to be a little bit busy right now. So yeah. um, writing a book, all that fun stuff, but I'm, so I'm, I'm learning this new crowd tool. It's very interesting. So I probably right. I, I tried to change my picture. I think I got it, but I think it has to like update and cycle through. So, um, but yeah, no, this is a, the group that you've put together here. I see so many people that I, know and names that i that i uh, love in the uh, community and um yeah we all need a place to go and just have a conversation so yeah and, and one of the interesting things stacy just is you know was every week we also turn this into a podcast and i was just looking at some of the numbers just earlier this week it was the last last week we had over a thousand people listen to it that weren't live wow, besides yeah. people that are the 1600 that are part of the community so yeah i hope you can join us more often yeah. i know it's hard but you know, every Friday, the same time, place. Well, now that I know sort of how to get there, I've got the link. You know, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it just takes that first, <laughs> you got to get there. And I, I might very well do that, join you guys more often. I like this. Yeah. So Jenny just said, Stacy Harris, I, I'm going to be, where's my first <laughs> intro to the world of HR tech? Very thankful to both of you for helping Aww. turn my head to this world. So <laughs> I really appreciate you saying that, Jenny. Um, yeah. But, I mean, for me, that's why I do that's why I do what I do. So yeah, that means a lot. Um, so Stacey, can you just talk about your history in the space? And for those of you that don't yeah. know you, like how you got to a point where you're making someone like JCK here uh, <laughs> want to be like you? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's funny. I, I just, uh, someone the other day asked me sort of how did I get into this space of sort of research analyst and HR all at the same time? Um, and I realized it's it's a really long story. 
<laughs> I think the, the the short and simple one is, you know, I I started out as a practitioner, which I think is part of why um, I love the work we do so much because I think there's there I was in that role like many of you guys I I left undergraduate school with this great communication degree and I was like what do you do with this right <laughs> and, and someone introduced me to learning in NHR and I started out at a little bank called Key Bank back in the day in Cleveland Ohio where go Cleveland go Cleveland <laughs> <laughs> and um, and just fell in love with this this world that I. I don't think many people even knew existed because, you know, I was, I came out of library and journalism and all those places. And it was the place I just got my paycheck. Right. Um, and I found that, no, they, they really think about the careers and the skills. Um, so I, I did a lot of ODOE learning and development work through um, at KeyBank, Joanne stores, people might know them management recruiters international. So I was in the recruiting space a little bit. Um, and then um, I got laid off in 2008. Um, it was a really hard time. I had two little kids. Um, uh, my husband had been laid off as well. We were both trying to figure out, you know, we were all, a lot of us were in 2008 trying to figure out what was next. And right before that, I had just implemented SAP and had an article in a magazine. And um, a friend of mine, Alan Keach, some of you might know him. He hasn't been around for a while, but he was the sales guy over at Burson and Associates. Um, he saw my article and he said, hey, I think you could come work with this this company that I'm working with, with only 13 people in it. Do you want to take a leap of faith and join us? Um, so I started out with Josh at 13 people and started doing consulting there and then did uh, research for three years in HR and then worked at uh, Brandon Hall for three years and then started out when Lexi in 2000 and boy, 2011, 2012, I think, something around there. Um, so for the last seven years, I've run the research that Lexi started 17 years ago. And that's history. It's It's been nothing but research and writing and, and HR and HR technology since then. So it was a, it was a really good journey for me. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's an amazing journey. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't mean to make this sound weird, but I'm so proud of what you've done because you've, really, you've changed the industry, um, you know, and I mean, and still are every day. I mean, Steve just said in the text, so proud of your new book, Introduction oh. to HR Technologies. Um, Steve, who is a professor at the University of Minnesota in HR technology, um, this next semester will be using my book as well as Stacy's book um, as part of his class. So, you know, I know, I know I'm honored that Steve's doing that. And I know you are too, Stacey. Uh, very much so. And and to sort of add to the accolades, I mean, I know we're kind of patting each other on each other's back, but I mean, Jason, you were one of the first people after I sort of left the, because Burston was a little bit of an enclave. We were all sort of analysts, but we didn't know there was a world outside of our world because we were doing so much writing and, and work. When I started doing presentations and events, Jason was the first person who sort of um, said, hey, you're, you're doing something important here, probably more than you know. And he um, supported me and and you know made the effort to make sure that I was aware of the work that, that how it was impacting uh, the people around us. Um, and, and, and I could see you also sort of living, like I said, the values of, of being involved in the groups that you were part of, right. And, and doing the things with them that I think a lot of other, if you want to call them industry influencers don't do, right. A lot of influencers kind of sit up here, do a lot of writing and talking. They don't actually get on the ground and talk to the people who are, are every day applying that work. So really yeah, the last thing that I want to do before, and Jess, I know you have a lot of questions to kick us off here, but you know, before, um, before we move on, I just want to like, I know that 
one of my mentors in life and is was also one of you know excuse me is one of your mentors in yeah. life also is lexi martin yes um so you know the the study that we're going to talk about that stacy's going to talk about today and, and some of the findings from it uh which drive a lot of the work that we're all doing in the space none of us would be doing um if it wasn't for lexi and her amazing work starting that uh, that research. So I, I think it's, we have to call her out as well. Yes, without a doubt. Her 17 years, she ran that research um, before I took it over. And she she made sure that it kept going every year. For anybody who runs research, uh, who knows how much effort goes into it, it, you know, it, she was, she had herself and one other person who supported her. And she kept pushing through telling the market, you know, there, there's, there's changes coming, you need to see them. And, um, when she asked me to take it over, I was so honored. I remember, remember, I, I was like, "You want you want me to have access to all the data?" <laughs> it was what it, that it was a meeting in Starbucks at HR Tech, <laughs> and it was so those little meetings in the hallways where you see everybody chatting. They really do come to something to, happens. Yeah. Something happens at all those meetings, and it was it was in a corner of Starbucks, and we were chatting. And I was like, I think my my eyes probably grew 20, 20 sizes. I was like, "Really? Oh, yeah, let's not get too excited." But yeah, <laughs> so it was. And Lexi's, you know, I think at some point, I don't know if you guys will, will have her on here or not at some point. I she's part of the community. She's been is on, she, yeah, not, okay. not as a guest. Pretty regularly. Yeah. yeah. She, you know, for those of you who might not know, I mean, Lexi was one of her and a few others, you know, were real trailblazers, particularly as women in the technology space, right? Like they, yeah, they made, they were in a business that was just, you know, generally seen as very much a male business when they first started. And I think they really set the stage and the tone for those of us who followed them. So there's there's no doubt that not only did she do something great with research, but she just as her presence in the industry made such an impact. Yeah, yeah I mean, between my, I didn't mention the other hero, but happens yeah. to be a woman uh, is named Ro Henson. Yeah. Um, between Ro and Lexi, my two mentors in life um, that got me really interested in this space. They're just yeah. both amazing, uh, amazing women. Um, Jess, sorry, over yeah. to you. <laughs> we want to talk about data. Um, yes, data. Stacey and, and I could do this all day. So, we could, could very much. so well, let's talk about the research and the report and the book and all that stuff. Well, I want to talk about whatever Stacy wants to talk about, but <laughs> but but Jason forwarded me an article this week from the Wall Street Journal which basically said it's time to get rid of the IT department. <laughs> I would love, <laughs> I would, let's start with that grenade. And I, I mean, it yeah. basically references the fact that implementing and leveraging and deploying technology for business has gotten easier. Yeah. We're in the cloud or we should be, we have solved integrations maybe kind of hopefully. Uh, so the ease of using technology to do whatever your function or your department needs to do has gotten easier. So does IT own it anymore? And, I think and, was the gist of that article. Yeah, and just just really quickly, I mean, guys, I I, I hate media for those. Of you who are <laughs> they just they put headlines there that are quick. Yeah. Easy there. Look at um, everybody reacting. Ooh, and, I yeah, and I don't agree with it. So like when I for, like and for those people that work within LeapGen and those people that are our customers, I forward articles yeah. way too right. much. 
And right. I don't actually say anything about them. So Jess, I didn't even tell you that I disagreed with it. I just forwarded <laughs> it to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what's really, really cool, look at everybody. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's real. I would love for you to talk about Stacy, what you found and, and how you see yeah. the role of IT changing. Yeah, no, actually it's an, it's an interesting dynamic. I, I want to say, I, I don't know who the journalist was, but you know, might say he's a little behind on this conversation <laughs> because I think there was, and, and those of us who are in HRIT, which is sort of a, a shoot off of IT, but still a very much a part of sort of the world that, that we're living in, early on in the stage of cloud, and Jason remembers this, me and him had lots of conversations about this, there was this belief that the new cloud technologies were going to make it so easy that we wouldn't need HRIT anymore. We would be able to get rid of all of the HRIT roles because functional HR could do the job and IT could do the back end support, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, I, you know, as much as the cloud providers have tried to sell that pitch, my data, and I think other people's data, but my data has definitely shown that is not the case. We've actually seen the number of HR, as people move to more cloud technologies, the number of the HR technologists not only increased in most organizations, but the strategic level of those HR technologists increased as well, right? Like, this is a conversation I think I, I've had multiple times that those roles became more than just you know, support and maintenance and and sort of um, a lot of the, the coding that was in the early days that we were all sort of getting together and trying to figure out. Those roles became really strategic roles that were talking about how the systems were going to create outcomes. They had analytics added into their functions. They had, you know, dashboarding and reporting capabilities added into their functions. Mm -hmm. So we saw so much, I think, change. And then the interesting thing that happened this year for the first time in the last six years since I've asked this question. So one of the new questions I asked about six years ago was we ask about the roles that organizations have. So our survey asks a lot of, for those who don't know the survey, it's been around for 24 years. It's been under the brand of Sierra Cedar, Cedar Crestone, Hunter Group, and now Sapien Insights. Who, um, and it's a 250 question survey. <laughs> so, so please know the people who answer it. It's a big thank you to all those who do. And one of the questions we ask every year is not only what roles do you have, but we ask who's responsible for configuration and who's responsible for security, data security inside of your system. And every year we have seen the number of the of IT itself dropping in that responsibility and HRIT roles increasing and functional HR increasing. So every year we've seen the IT role decrease and the role of a functional HR role and an HRIT role sort of split that responsibility across organizations or across the percentages. This year was the first year we saw a 33% drop in functional HR, the function of the people inside of talent management or in learning or in your HR generalist being able to do the configuration and the security work because it's too complex now. HRIT continues to hold lots of responsibility for it, but now IT is getting some of that back. So my sense would be that the journalist is a little behind the times. That is a really old story because it's too complex. I don't know about you guys. We're seeing on average, even small organizations have about 16 different HR major yeah, contracts, not the little stuff, but the major contracts that they're managing. And that gets up to like 90 to 150 and you're a large organization, right? Yeah, I, mean, I think that, wow. Stacey, one of, the, one of the things that happens with those types of articles, and I posted the link to the article in the chat there, is that, you know, when things, uh, the roles change, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, just like everything else in the world changes and the you know, on-prem versus cloud changes, yeah. the roles change. It doesn't mean you get rid of the roles. Yes. And I, mean, I believe if I was going to write the headline, it would be the, you know, the old world of IT needs to adapt yes. yeah. to the new world that's needed when it comes to cybersecurity, when it comes to integrations versus interfaces, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's an adaptation or unlearning needed is how I would position it, not let's kill the, you know, let's ki it's time to kill IT. That doesn't sell as many papers, right? Here's the question. Would you have seen it and would you afford it if it said something else? No, right. no, exactly. So, I mean, I, dude, that's, why, that's why I call it clickbait. Like yeah. it definitely worked. Yeah. Um, and if you read the article, you'll, you, you'll see what I mean. Uh, you know, it is pretty harsh on IT. And by the way, I'm just going to be, you know, kind of a little bit bold. Well, and Brooke just said it, old IT is dead. Those yeah. organizations that still run old IT departments in the new world of the cloud are going to struggle. Um, and and, and Stacy, I'm not sure if you have data on that, but mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of organizations that have gone to the cloud that haven't changed the way IT works. And they're like, this is weird. Yeah, we just, so this is a, it's, it's a, it's a constant conversation, right? Um, I just had this conversation with an organization last week. I think you guys are having the conversation every week as well. Um, it's not, the systems themselves don't make a difference in our data. It's, it's funny, you know, it, it, I, I tell people all the time, if a single vendor would get you an, an automatic outcome, they would pay me a fortune probably to tell you that, right? There's, there's, no ven there's no single vendor or solution that gets you an outcome. And oftentimes we see almost if you put new systems in a bit of a slide back in um, performance and outcomes for at least a year or two for organizations. What does actually get real outcomes is those organizations who put in place some sort of, what, depending on how you would, you would frame it, some sort of continuous change management model, which I think is what we're talking about. It's just depending on what term you use for it. It's the idea that you have an HRIT or IT function, depending on where all that sits, that has this idea that the project's never done. There, that it, that I am continuously updating, maintaining. I'm create basically managing an ecosystem. That's a lot of what my book talks about. Is that you're now managing an ecosystem, and an ecosystem requires feeding and maintenance and a little bit of cleaning out and a little bit of management in places. It's it's a much different process than a project, right? And, and it's not even the other thing that I'll put out there. And I, I'd be interested in your audience's thought on this and your guys' thought on this. I think this idea of agile development has sidetracked this conversation. I think mm -hmm. the idea of an agile development team um, has created still the idea that it's a project, right? Yeah. Because you're still trying to fit something into a box. It's just that now you're trying to do it faster and quicker and with more feedback. But there's no beginning, middle and end to this kind of a, 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 an effort is from at least what we're seeing in our data. Yeah, I mean, Stacey, we try to eliminate the use of the term project, I think, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, every time someone says, hey, we want to have you come do a project, I'm like, we don't do projects. Yeah. Um, we work, you know, and help deploy programs yeah. or we help step in in the middle of a program or yeah. we help come in while the program is looking at revitalizing itself. But you're right, it never ends. And I think that that's a huge thing that we need to think about. Bryce just said that we're in the Rolling Stone world. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, and like Bryce, we look a little bit better doing our songs at the the Super Bowl than they did, but yes, that's where we're at. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Bryce, you've heard the way I say it is like we need to treat these things like pets, not like rocks. Um, yeah. You know, when we first entered the space, it was like just put it in and let it sit there. And um, there's still IT departments that want to work that way. Yeah, I, and but I think, and you know, it, seeing the comments from the team out here, right? You know, with, you know, the ecosystem is the word, and, and you know, we're we're now sort of in a in a different place. Um, is it because IT, not that they don't know, but they, they know the changes here. Is it because we aren't giving them the resources to work that way? We aren't giving them the time to work that way. Is that part of the problem, do you think? I think it is part of the problem. I also think another part of the problem that Kim, Kim is another brilliant yeah. HR leader in the space that just said, Kim in it, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, part of the struggle is that many IT orgs are straddling old on-prem and moving to the cloud. Yeah. Um, and I think that is, it is still, it is still there. Um, Al Albany just says, <laughs> Agile PM has ruined men, my effort <laughs> in comms because my leadership doesn't have comms experience. I mean, I think those are all really, really um, great points. Stacy. another thing I want to bring up that, and Jess and I, and you know, a lot of us are spending a lot of time talking about skills. Yeah. Um, I, I, want to get, I want to get off this IT thing. We could talk about the IT thing the whole time. Um, but you know, when we think about 2022, one of the things that, that we're seeing is a is a new a renewed focus, and it even hurts me to say it, like because I it's not it should I mean it's renewed for like the 19th time, which is it might be better to know more about our people than it is, <laughs> um, you know, about ourselves, you know. But uh, this whole concept of knowing your people and skills seems to be one of the hotter topics going forward, and I just love your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I, I talk quite a bit about skills management in the book um, because and and in the research this year we did as well. So it's definitely a topic. Although I, I have to, you know, you know, to 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 give your point about the fact that it is the topic that we've seen come back around and around, right? Like my first, very first um, ever um, uh, HR initiative was a competency management project, right? It was it was at KeyBank. Um, anybody who's in the KeyBank area, if you still got an old key skills workbook somewhere, um, it's a 20 year old uh, legacy. But you know, we went through and mapped every skill of every retail banker and every skill of every, you know, salesperson, and then figured out. And by the time I got the binder and the workbooks and everything printed, mm -hmm. it was completely outdated, right? <laughs> so, but it was a great learning process. Like, like for me, I'll never that that probably was the start of me realizing that this world was was bigger than I think that most of the people around me understood from an HR perspective. So I'm a big believer that the sometimes the process is more important than the outcome, right? And I think skills is exactly that issue, that sometimes we poo-poo it or we feel like it doesn't give us what we want because the end didn't get to where we wanted it to get to. But the process of going through that in your organization and thinking about it and developing processes for it can be just as enlightening about who your organization is as the outcome you finally get. So, I, so I'm a big believer that don't not do it because it's it's still in its infancy. But really think maybe what we're seeing in our data is that it's the same issue right now that we had back before, which is maintaining those skills and tying them to a job element versus a job role and just you probably get this I and mean, you come from the recruiting background right the yeah. the the idea of the job role is just 
dead, right? I was just going to ask you, doesn't, when you build a skills-based organization, you have to hire differently, forget job profiles, forget requisitions, forget traditional job titling. You have to build skills pro. First of all, you need to understand the skills that would make your organization hum. And you have to build everything around that skills map, which means throw everything away, honestly. And I think that's TA transformation. I think that's the next step of talent transformation is really understanding our organizations as skills ecosystems. Yeah. Let's go back to ecosystems. Um, and I think it's more than time. I think I think that's how you build a fluid, agile organization that can be nimble and and grow and innovate innovate faster. My God, um, I re I recognize it requires <laughs> easier said than done to throw it all away. Uh, and then, of course, there's the age-old systems question: Who owns that? Where do you store that? How do you make skills flow between systems and become dynamic, living, breathing data that can inform decisions? Yeah, it's scary. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. I, I, every time I think, you know, you you put it in those terms, the eyes get bigger, and, the <laughs> and yeah. you start to see this like throw up my job profiles. I just spent, you know, five years building them, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I think you're. That's 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 exactly right. Now, how organizations get to that vision versus where they're at today, mm -hmm. I think that's the work that all of us need to figure out, right? Because I think, you know, not only does that lead to a, a much more um, flexible organization, but I think the thing that I'm starting to realize is that we've talked a lot about pay equity, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. All of those things are important. We're never going to get to that outcome until we stop paying for a, mm -hmm. a, 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 a con, you know, a, an aggregate of some picture we have in our mind. Yep. When we start paying for a specific skill set or yes. a specific certification and we put a dollar amount to that and no matter who you are, no matter what color you are, no matter what background or what school you went right. to, if you prove that you that skill set or that certification, that capability, it's the same number, right? It doesn't matter. And that's the piece that it it sounds amazing. If we can get there or not, I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's the only way to get there. There's too many, too many historical drivers of pay inequity. And and the only way to sort of what are we going to go fix driver after driver after driver and slowly incrementally fix pay? No, I think we need a different foundation, which is which is maybe what you just described. I don't know. I haven't thought about what the right foundation is, but it's definitely not trying to fix incrementally and overcome gaps that have existed over time. If somebody is underrepresented, underpaid, and the whole system that created that is broken, maybe just don't use that system anymore. Yeah, which is scary because that's what all of our artificial intelligence has been based off of, right? Yeah. Every algorithm has been based off those those historical perspectives. So it's it's um, yeah, it, you know, I, I get really excited about this conversation, but I also realize that it's a lot of hard work. Um, yeah. and, and there are so many organizations, so many so many people who are in the trenches, uh, the people who you know we talk to every day who are still just trying to get their companies to buy into the fact that they need to automate some of this stuff. Right. So so there's. Yeah. 
there's a journey that people have to take to get to to this picture in some cases yeah. because it's it's a roadway. And Stacey, I, just along what you just said, and it's, it's a great point that you just made. Like, do you think that you know? So you said automate some of the stuff that's not automated. Like, do you think that maybe, just maybe, and I don't, I don't have a, a specific view on this, that maybe some of the stuff we've automated has not been the right stuff. Like, maybe we could, maybe we should skip some of the stuff that some of us have automated that people don't use because they don't see value in it and try to do stuff that's more valuable to the employee and manager versus stuff that we thought was going to be valuable to HR. Yeah. So, so we did a, it's, it's a little old right now. So it's probably about three years, four years old now, but we did a, we did a, an employee survey um, from the fourth year that I was in and um, to the research. And, and at some point we'll probably end up doing another version of that. And in that we asked the, uh, it, it was probably about 30,000 employees across like six or seven different organizations that were trying to do an assessment of the use of HR technology in their organizations. And we asked employees, what was the number one thing they were using any HR technology for? And the answer was org charts. Mm. <laughs> right? That, that is the payroll, but. <laughs> you know, it, it, the number one value proposition those employees found was org charts and locations of desks. Right. <laughs> wow. Brilliant. <laughs> so I think, you know, your answer, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think we have definitely, in some cases, we may have overthought the process, right? Um, in a lot of other cases, I think we've we've automated because we needed the data, not because the employee needed the process, if that makes yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. You know, Stacey, there's a lot of talk, and I, I have to be careful because I could talk about this the rest of the time, <laughs> and I'm not going to. But there's a lot of talk in the chat about holacracy, uh, about jobless job, mm. mm -hmm. about doing a different job every day. Yeah. Um, Bob specifically said, curious to hear Stacy's perspective on John Boudreaux's work, re, which is called Work Without Jobs. Yeah. You know, job decomposition. You know, uh, Bob says, uh, colossal implications to the future of work and HR, which is all of that is true. Yeah. Um, you know, really quickly, I believe this is where the world is going. Um, you know, it's going to take time and, I, and we have no idea how we're going to respond yet in my personal belief, but I, that's just my take. I'd love your response. Stacey. Oh, wow. That's a tough one, right? Because the, um, the person in me who figured out a way to tailor a, a, a librarian and a communications degree into an HR technologist analyst role, right? <laughs> You know, I charted my own path through a lot of different steps, right? And I think, you know, when you really talk to people who are, who enjoy the work they're doing, oftentimes that's the approach they've taken as they've charted their own path, right? But I will say, you know, and Jason, you're in, in the same boat, you know, I think any of us who have been in leadership roles, we also know that when people's roles aren't defined, when they don't have a clear scope, it's really hard in an organization because the confusion can cause more friction and, and less work to get done too, right? And so I think there has to be a way to still have some, some structure and some way of defining roles and responsibilities without making people sort of define a specific job role. So I think there, I think the conversation has to shift away from 
my job includes these duties to my job is responsible for these outcomes. And I think if we get to that, we'll get closer to where it probably needs to look like in the future. But that's a road or a path that's really hard to get to when we have an education system that literally builds the education for most of our kids and our and our and the students around a the idea that you're going to take a test or there's going to be a set set of things on a on a school you know curriculum there's no building a curriculum in that environment right and there's no no outcome you're trying to achieve your you've got to you've got to pass a test no matter whether that gets you to the outcome or not and so i think you know to, to make the change you're talking about, it's a much bigger systemic change than just HR. It is, and one of the things I thought was fascinating, if anyone happened to read the job report this morning, um, which if you haven't, I, it's not that exciting, but- <laughs> It's important. One, there's one line in it that I found amazing. And it said, it appears that our data may not be accurate because people may be working multiple jobs. Yeah. Uh, Yes. And B, people may be working in jobs that aren't being reported as jobs. Yes. <laughs> and and I, I was like, oh my God, like this is like the start of a crack. Like, <laughs> you know, because that it's it's exactly right. Yeah. You know, the the one-to-one person to job code model is dying really, really fast. And it's showing up now, even on those jobless reports. Yeah. But think about the implications of that in just our enterprise applications. So the one-to-one job code, that's going, if that's going away, how does that relate to the code that is assigned to a function that is assigned to, to, to your business books, right? I mean, every enterprise application out there has a single code assigned to a business unit. Well, if I'm working across six different business units, this is the antithesis of the issue with mm-hmm. healthcare right now, right? Healthcare has people because they're in de- demand working in six or seven different functions and no system that can accurately manage not only the time shifts and the rate paid changes, but also the different departments that they're supposed to be charging for that, right? It yeah. all in one way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there are multiple nights that I go to bed thinking that I'm gonna wake up and realize that there's no HRIS or no <laughs> HCM system that actually does what's needed in the world. Um, I do do actually think that might happen at some point um, based on how they're all tied to an org model and a job structure that isn't going to exist into the future. Yeah. Um, It's very- That being said, I mean, interesting question for you. I mean, I wrote the book and I I continue to do the research with the idea that progress oftentimes may not be in a straight line, but there's, there's leaps and bounds and Sometimes we go backwards. We still need to be moving forward. But do you think there's a need to stop for a moment and rethink what we're doing in our industry? Oh, uh, uh, yes, <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Uh, so I mean, the, the the thing that's really hard about that, is that, and and by the way, this is what we try to do with clients every single yeah. day, is you, you you have to play offense and defense at the same time. Yeah. So defense, I mean, you have to keep the lights on. If people don't get paid, you're fired and your <laughs> yes. business shuts down and you're trying to figure out how to play offense, which is do this rethinking. Yeah. Um, and that's really, really hard. Um, but I will say that I don't believe there's ever been a better time. Uh, you know, I did an event in Singapore the other night 
and the, the CHRO from a, one of the largest shipping companies in Singapore was saying that the way that the ship workers work now and the way that the ship workers think now and the way the ship workers want to get paid now, it, it's all changed. Yeah. It all changed because of habits created in the last 18 months. Yeah. Um, so like if there's not a time, to, if this isn't the time to do it, there's not going to be the time to do it. But it's making sure that you create enough space within your plans yeah. to actually do it, which is why your project plan, project plan shouldn't just be about technology. Yeah. It should be about rethinking the mindset of what your outcomes are, like you said. Yeah. I, I love the space conversation. I, I, I have this conversation time and time again. Um, and even in like, I've got press releases, people sometimes will ask me, I'll look at a product and like, you know, can you, can you sign up for a press release? I'm like, well, depending on what you've got in it, but if you've got the word optimization in it, I really cringe, right? Because optimization is one of the worst. I just don't think it's a word you really want to use. Right. And, um, because I think when we optimize and Amazon's a really good example of this, when you optimize too much, right. You don't have the space for people to sort of learn and innovate and build and design, think inside the environment, right? Like if you have no, if there's, if there's always one person leaving as soon as one person's getting to the job, there's no overlap. There's no training that's going to happen between those two people. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a really small example of something that's happening across all of our organizations. We've got ourselves optimized for every project, every outcome, everything that we're working on to the nth degree. And our businesses are built on those expectations, both from a, you know, a financial metric perspective and from a, a stock market perspective, so much so that we are killing our own companies because we they don't have the ability to to innovate in ways that that space allows them to do. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to drop a podcast in here. One of our consultants, Rachel, shared a podcast about Amazon earlier this week. I need to finish listening to it because it's so fascinating. I didn't get all the way through it. But to your point, Stacy, Amazon turns over. It's it's got it's one of the largest employers in the world. Yeah. Number two, maybe next to Walmart, perhaps they turn over. So think about the volume I'm talking about. They turn over their entire workforce every eight months. Yeah, every eight months and to and not all obviously not by the numbers, the entire workforce turns over. And I'm sure this is less in corporate and professional jobs, but something about the talent model they've built is fascinating because while that doesn't feel right, we, we lose the power of overlap and innovation and learning something and we lose a lot and you should not treat human people as disposable. You know, yeah. they've created the disposable workforce but what's interesting about that is kind of what we're talking about. People should be able to ebb and flow and come and go and work on this or that and boomerang back to the company. I like the fluidity of people concept that we're talking about. We create permission to access talent in new, interesting ways. But so how can we take what is interesting and maybe good about the talent model they've created without sacrificing, we are human beings who desire experience, longevity, relationship, connection. You can't turn people like that, but how can we create a flexible talent model that approaches people in more interesting ways? I think there's opportunity on both sides for people and employers. I, I love that, that, that thinking, right? Because I, I agree completely. And I don't, 
I, and when when I comment about Amazon, I'll note, you know, early on in days when people were very upset about their culture being so harsh, I was one of the proponents of saying having a, a harsh culture, having a culture that's focused on performance or outcomes isn't a bad thing as long as you're honest about it, right? Like, as yes. long as you're very clear when you're being hired into it. Yeah. And even the optimization that Amazon's doing, I don't think is bad. I think it's misunderstanding the value of the overlap, right? So it's 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 going too far with the pendulum to one side. Mm -hmm. I think you just need to understand that you're missing something in that 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 total world of every minute is tracked and every minute is monitored, right? And to your point, I do you know, one I've had some amazing conversations Uber and Lyft as you guys probably did too. We spend a lot of time a lot of our lives inside the cars with people who are Uber and Lyft drivers. Yeah. Um, and I have some of the most fascinating conversations with them. Sometimes they're retired. I've met heads of HR at other companies who are taking a break for lunch. I have met, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, side job hustle people. And to a, to a T and in sort of surveys and interviews, they do time and time again with, with people who are in the Uber and Lyft market. The conversation is the, the people feel like that work provides them the autonomy they need to live their lives. Now, would they like to get paid more? Would they like benefits? Without a doubt, we need to figure that situation out. Mm -hmm. but the autonomy for them is so powerful that it outweighs all the other things, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it makes you feel like you're a human being with your own destiny that you're, that you're sort of manifesting. And I think that's powerful in a, in a way to estimate as, as professionals. Hey, Stacey, I've never asked you this question. Um, and I hope that didn't make you nervous to start. So can you give us just, you know, with a, with a couple minutes that we have left, can you just give us some clickbait um, or can you give us like a, one or two of the bombshells or surprises yeah. that you found in this year's study? Thank you for bringing me back to the to the to the to the, to the study. Um, uh, my team will, will always appreciate that, Jason. <laughs> I've talked about all other stuff uh, for ages. Yes, a couple of the clickbait things. No, I mean I think, cheer if if you're looking for something that is going to give you the details you need to rethink the resourcing in your organization. If you're looking for something that's going to give you the details you need to reimagine what goes into your HR budget, right? We have new data this year in all of those categories. We have new data this year on um, this really interesting, but I would say less defined world of HR service delivery. Mm. Right? Whether you call it the HR experience platforms or whether you call, right? I think there's there's a, a misnomer that um, this is the, the new frontier of HR. I, I would actually say it's probably more taking what has been a big part of HR and just rethinking how we uh, position it because most of the people already have something that is the front door of their of their sort of HR technology. So we've got some really interesting data around that. So you don't have to have to maybe think about tearing everything out. Mm -hmm. um, I think the other thing that I really um, valued out of the data this year was the idea of workforce planning. Mm -hmm. If you're starting to think about how you take the HR technology and the data and pull it out into something that um, goes beyond just 
what we've been talking about, right? Uh, which is you know process automation and, and improving the paper-based approach and all of those things. If you're actually trying to shift to the outcomes conversation, you've got to be doing any level of workforce planning. That includes things like labor and headcount planning. Everybody, you know, sidebars that and says it's not important. Our data shows that if you're doing any level of workforce planning, and we actually walk through the steps and the definitions of it, um, that it gets you a better outcome not only this year, but in the last several years. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think if, if I were to think about those, the big, big takeaways from, from the data set this year, those are the ones that I, that I continue to go back to as intriguing. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Jess, any questions from you? Oh, no, thank you for the work that you do on that survey year over year. You can see you've got people who treat it as their Bible. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, I haven't been able to read any of these, so I'm hoping I get, I, I might have to go back to the recording, I guess, to see all the, the, the yeah. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But those insights are really important. Uh, and the concept of HR technology. I mean, we talk about it all the time at LeapGen, but the concept of HR technology we, we have, are trying to change the language. These are people solutions, not technology for the use of HR. And I really think that mindset shift, and we touched on a lot of it today, the concept of deploying capabilities instead of implementing tech and features. There's a lot, the mindset shift is one thing, but we all have to make the shift and promise to make that shift together. That means you showcase your solutions differently. You demo differently. You tell a different story. You create business cases differently when you're telling the right outcomes story. So I love this. I love that we're making the shift. I think we can make significant change in our lifetimes for the good of people. We can literally change how people work and how they feel about work and the value they can bring. Jess, I, you know, a hundred times. Yes, yes, yes. I think we can change how people live. Yes. In my, in my estimation, the HR and the HR systems, no matter what we call them, they change people's lives. And we underestimate that every day, I think, as professionals who work in this business. So so to me, if that if that's one thing people can leave with out of our report, out of our research, out of our book, out of the I think of the conversations you guys have on a regular basis, you change people's lives every day and you probably aren't even aware of it, but you have an impact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thanks for that, Stacey. Uh, really quick, I wanted to take a second. So Stacey and I have been talking, Stacey and I talk a lot, um, yeah. even though not as frequently as probably would like when we do talk, we do talk a lot. And, um, you know, one of the things that Stacey said to me about a year ago was, you know, she really wanted to continue to make an impact in this space. And um, uh, I just have to say, you know, look up Sapient Insights um stacy and the group of women um created sapient insights and i said women on purpose because stacy said i really want to start something myself i really want to create a woman-owned business um and i just i give you a ton of credit for that stacy um it, it takes a lot of guts to do it um and uh, and you've done a great job of, of getting it started. And I think there's only great things ahead. So I just wanted to call that piece out because um, people love the report and it, you know, which takes a lot of work. It takes more work to, you know, to be a woman and to start a woman owned business and to do the things that you're doing. So thank you for doing that. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. And yes, I, I 
Um, and but as I said early on, I mean, I think it was your support. You know, Mark Stelzner was another one who, you know, mm -hmm. all um, the people who I went to right after the, you know, after CR Cedar made the decision that we were going to roll off the work. And um, it, it was a hard decision because there was a lot of good people to work with, right? Um, but I think our team, myself, uh, Terry Zipper, Susan Richards, and Kim Seals, who are the partners that I came together with, we all have the same vision, which is that um, it'll take a little bit of extra work, take some transition, but we have a voice. There's, there's something, I think, because of our experiences and the, and the lives we've lived that, that we can, can maybe bring to the community in a different way. And so that's what we're hoping we're able to do, um, because I think there's, there's a, an opportunity for our community to, to make such a change. And, and voices like your guys' is, is, is important, and we need to have more of us, M more volume, more conversation. Yeah. yeah. So, Stacey, when will the next year's recent study, not to not to jump ahead, yep. but, you know, we have 1,630 people here that we want to get the information up to. When will that open up? So the new survey will come out the um, second week of May. So look for links we go through as lots of distributors. As everybody knows, they get bombarded with emails. So I do. Well, we're going to have you back on to talk about it here yep. and put the link right here. Uh, that sounds like a good idea. We'll I'll, yep. I'll join you guys the first couple weeks in May. Um, and we'll talk about what's because there'll be some new things in the survey this year based off of what's going on. We change the survey a little bit every year. So if you guys have ideas about maybe even before we, we finalize, maybe I'll come back on and, and ask uh, just ask you guys if we could do a little session around what would people like to know? I mean, I would love oh, yeah. to crowdsource a little bit. Some of that would be so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Some work that's my plan. Like that. that would be great. Thank Absolutely. Thanks and thank you guys for having me. This has been fun. Like I said, I I, I wish I had I had been able to get here earlier, but I, I will be here more often now. Um, I think you guys have such an amazing audience, but it's also because you guys have done such a great work. I. I miss our conversations, Jason and Jess. So this is a great place to have them. So, Thanks absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Okay. Wow. Anything else, Jess? No, my heart is full and warm. We have such amazing and Stacy. I think you answered the question that was up above. How do we get? talent leaders to think about that this is how we create more. I call them message carriers. The more message carriers we can put out in the world, telling this story, beating the drum consistently um, and helping each other. We're all figuring it out together at the same time. That's how you get leaders to approach talent in new and different ways and drive the innovation that that requires. Great. So um, for everyone on, thank you for being here. For everyone that left, thanks for leaving on time instead of us <laughs> on time. Um, I, <laughs> I hope that, uh, Jess, hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Thank you. And uh, we'll see everyone next Friday. Happy December, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.